I love that scene. That's from the final episode of season two of The Chosen. Jesus has been trying to put together the Sermon on the Mount, but he wasn't sure how to begin it. And he and Matthew have been working through this. And as you know, it's Matthew's Gospel that records the Sermon on the Mount for us. And he finally comes to the realization that he needs a map. A map to himself so that if anyone wants to find him, they should look for these people, these different groups, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I love how in that last, in that scene at the end, he turns and faces Matthew. And he says those last two verses, the ones we're looking at today, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, page 810 in your blue Bibles if you've got one of those in front of you. I love how he turns and speaks those directly to Matthew. He does the same in the Gospel. He does the same in the Sermon on the Mount. These two become very personal. But if you've watched the series, if you've followed those characters, the disciples, it is Matthew who all through the series has been continually insulted by the other disciples, especially Peter. Matthew, who's never been allowed to forget that he used to be a tax collector, that he was a traitor to his own people, that he is a sinner. Matthew, who the disciples have never really forgiven. In fact, in the series, they are constantly telling Matthew, you need to repent. And he says, I have repented. And they say, it's not enough. You need to do more. And Jesus turns to him and makes these final words very personal. And we see Matthew in these words. It's easy when we go through the Beatitudes to divide them up in our heads and assign certain Beatitudes for certain people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's like those people over there who aren't as spiritual as us. That's, that blessing is for them. Blessed are those who mourn. That's, like, that's a blessing for my friends who have lost loved ones. I'm supposed to comfort them. But Jesus gives us these blessings so that we can find a map to Him. But He also gives us these blessings so that we can see ourselves in all of them. And never is that more important than, we get, than when we get to these final two verses and He addresses us directly. Blessed are you, verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on My accounts. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Beatitudes are a map to Jesus. You heard Jesus in the video say, if someone wants to find Me, these are the groups they should look for. If someone wants to find Jesus, would they come looking for us? Would they see us in that map? Do we look like any of those groups that we've looked at over the last few weeks? Are we willing to be that vulnerable with people and say, I am sometimes poor in spirit. There are times when I mourn. There are times when, when I have to face the world with that kind of meekness. Are we willing to consider the possibility that we might be insulted? That others might lie about us? That our reputations might be damaged because of the way we follow Jesus? Are we willing to risk all of that from some people just so others might see Jesus in us? You see, if, if the Beatitudes are not about us, then we aren't about pointing people to Jesus. 
Let me say that again. If the Beatitudes are not about us, then we are not about pointing other people to Jesus. We're not about helping people find Jesus. That means accepting not just the blessings, the meek inherit the earth, uh, uh, these, this group is comforted, this group receives the kingdom of heaven. Not just about accepting the blessings, but the pain, the poverty, the mourning, the, the hungering for righteousness, and the willingness to suffer for Jesus that we see in these last two verses. We become the map we encourage other people to follow. And when we find Jesus, we find His grace even in our troubles. And so this last blessing, this last beatitude, it is a reflection of where, uh, on where every one of the other ones has led us. It's full of truth that each of us needs to accept for ourselves. And as Jesus explains it here, suffering for Him. Suffering for Him is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. It's right there. In fact, it's so obvious you might just miss it. But again, look at verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He doesn't say this might happen. He doesn't say this could happen. He doesn't say if you're not careful, people might say some bad things about you. No, he says this is a promise. There is a promise that if you follow Jesus, suffering will follow you. This isn't the first beatitude that's mentioned suffering either. If you go back just one verse, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness' sake. But here, in verse 11, it's persecuted on my account. This isn't about our character and who we are and what we pursue. This is about our connection to Jesus. And you see how carefully he spells out the suffering that we should expect. First word he uses is revile. If you're still using the NIV Bible, the NIV says insults. That's probably a little more in keeping with our understanding. The word that's, that is translated either revile or insult there, it includes everything from mocking someone to cursing someone. And then he mentions persecution. Keep in mind, persecution is not just physical. Persecution can be psychological. Persecution can be emotional. Have you ever noticed that the word persecute and pursue sound kind of similar? They come from the same root. And the idea is that someone is chasing you. Someone is after you. And someone has put you on the run. And then he says, utter all kinds of evil against you. Did you notice in all of these, whether it's reviling or insulting or whether it's persecution or whether it's this last one uttering all kinds of evil against you. Did you notice how much words are involved? Our words are powerful. Our words have power. Insult, revile, uttering evil against you, lying. That's, those things happen. Jesus said those things would happen. Some of you would be familiar with the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In fact, if you went to high school here in Kansas and you had Mr. Decker as a teacher, I'm pretty sure you learned a little bit about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian. He was an outspoken critic of Hitler and the Nazi party. Bonhoeffer was accused of being part of a plot to assassinate Hitler, so he was thrown in prison. And in the last days of the war, as things were getting desperate for Hitler, Bonhoeffer was executed by hanging on April 9th, 
1945, just days before Hitler would take his own life. Bonhoeffer said this, Disciples will not be weakened by suffering, worn down and embittered until they are broken. Instead, they bear suffering by the power of Him who supports them. The, disciple, the disciples bear the suffering laid on them only by the power of Him who bears all suffering on the cross. As bearers of suffering, they stand in communion with the crucified. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And I wonder, have we, have we borne the suffering of Christ? That's a question I've had to ask myself several times. Can anything that I've experienced in my faith be considered persecution? Can anything that I, any troubles that I've had, can that be considered persecution? Have I been persecuted? I've been offended a few times. I have been inconvenienced because of my faith a few times. There's been times when I felt like I was just being tolerated. One time I said, Merry Christmas, and the person said, Happy Holidays back to me, and that hurt. Not so much. Does any of that count as persecution? Because Jesus said we should expect persecution. I hope we're aware of the sufferings in other parts of the world, though. I hope we're aware of what the Christians in Ukraine are going through. I hope we're aware of what the Christians in Russia have been going through. Those in China who are persecuted all over the world. I hope we're aware of their sufferings and I hope we realize that whether what we experience is suffering or not, there are those that do suffer. And I hope we're aware that when we are inconvenienced, when we are insulted, when we are made fun of for our faith, we, we are not looking for trouble. We don't go out looking for trouble. We're not looking for trouble. We're looking for Jesus, right? We're looking for Jesus. Jesus promises suffering. Where does that suffering come from? Well, you know, based on His words here, based on His words, we can expect the worst treatment from people who think they are faithful to God. Listen to what He says. We, we can expect the worst treatment from people who think they are faithful to God. There are a lot of preachers out there who love to peddle fear. There are preachers out there that want to keep people afraid. And the, long, the more they can keep them afraid, the more books they can sell, the more, the more audience they can draw. They love to keep people afraid. And it's always out there. You know, back in the 80s, I remember back in the 80s, we were supposed to be afraid of, well, we were afraid of the Russians. We were afraid of the communists back in the 80s. And then at some point during the 80s, we became aware of something that we now call the satanic panic. We were told Satan was everywhere. And to be honest, they were making up a lot of those stories. We've been told to be afraid of atheists. They're our enemies. They're the ones that are going to dismantle the church here in the United States. For the last 20 years or so, we have become more and more aware that we're supposed to be afraid of the Muslims. There's always some group out there that is out to get us. But I want you to look at what Jesus says in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They persecuted the prophets. Who, who persecuted the prophets? Was it the communists? No. 
wasn't the Muslims, no. They were mistreated by people who thought they were the faithful ones. They were mistreated by those who thought that they were the righteous ones. And that's exactly the treatment that Jesus is promising the disciples here. And it's exactly what He promises us. Those early disciples, men like Matthew, they lived through all that. They saw that firsthand. Later on in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 2, Jesus addresses the twelve and He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And again, he's not talking about the people that we've been told for years are our enemies, the people who are out to get us, but people who believe that persecution, persecuting others, is a service to God. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I've been reading Jeremiah in my devotions lately. I can't really recommend <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah is rough. Jeremiah goes through so much difficult stuff. Jeremiah is just put upon and, and all these horrible, horrible things happen to him. Jeremiah is persecuted for so they persecuted the prophets before you. And who is it that's persecuting Jeremiah? All through the book, it's the king. It's the priests. It's the people of God who are persecuting Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Now Pashur, Pashur, the priest, this is the priest, the son of Immer, who was the chief officer in the house of the Lord. Where? The chief officer in the temple, in the house of the Lord. Heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pashur beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. He locks him up in the temple. He beats him and locks him up in the house of God. When you start taking Jesus seriously, when you start blessing the poor, and when you start comforting the ones who mourn, there will be those who have used their faith for their own influence and for their own gain. There will be those that have used faith to get ahead in society, and they will notice, and they won't like it. And please hear Jesus carefully again in verse 11. At the end of verse 11, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. In other words, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. This is different than those Christians out there who suffer because they're obnoxious jerks. Okay? And, and they're out there. There are Christians who just go looking for trouble. There are Christians who go trying to, to, to have encounters where they will get persecuted. They do things that will get, them, uh, get, get other people upset with them. That happens a lot. Gets a lot of attention. The media loves to point them out and then the media loves to lump the rest of us in with them. But this, this is about taking Jesus seriously. And when we do that, we can expect sufferings. And when that happens... Jesus tells us that our response is to rejoice. I want you to hear Jesus. The response is not to harass them back. The response is not to give it back just as good as you got. The response is not to defame their character because they defamed your character. The response is to rejoice because we've been counted worthy of suffering for Him. And that's hard. Because all of this all of this hurts. All of this hurts us all. 
those who utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I've had that happen to me. I've had lies told about me, and it hurts. It hurts us all. And Jesus calls us to rejoice. (laughs) And I have to admit, that's not easy. Jesus doesn't just say rejoice. He says rejoice and be glad. Are you kidding me? Rejoice and be glad? People are lying about us and we're supposed to be glad? People are making fun of our kids? And we're supposed to be glad? Laughing about those silly Christians online and what they're doing and we're supposed to be glad? And that that word, be glad, by the way, that's a noisy word. You can't be glad silently. You have to make noise to be glad. Go to whatever ball game you've been to and look at what the people who are glad do. They make a lot of noise. It's about what other people see in us. It's not a quiet word. We, we can suffer silently, but being glad, you don't do that silently. Being glad is about showing other people who we are. It's part of our witness. It's part of our faith. And it points people to Jesus. Acts chapter 5, the apostles are arrested. The apostles, Matthew and all these others, they're arrested. Verse, verses 17 and 18 says, the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. That'll shut them up. Well, no, it doesn't. They beat them and they ordered them, you're not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And then they let them go. And what was the response of the apostles? Verses 41 and 42, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And that's really the focus, isn't it? Great is your reward in heaven. In heaven. Our reward is not here. Our reward is not now. Our reward isn't the nice things that people say about us. Our reward is heaven. And sometimes we need to remember that. We need to remind each other of that. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 5, they rejoiced together. Don't miss that part either. They rejoiced together. We don't want anyone to suffer alone. We do not want anyone to mourn alone let's make sure that no one has to rejoice like this alone either let's be ready to rejoice with those who are hurting those who need our comfort you know as we've made our way through the beatitudes we've kept that image in front of us that the beatitudes are a map to jesus you heard the words in the scene and if you haven't watched all of the all of the chosen i recommend it find a way to watch it it is amazing it is so well done We heard the words of Jesus in that scene. If someone wants to find Me, these are the groups to look for. And I hope we've heard ourselves in that. In those groups. Because these groups, these are about us. No one is poor in spirit alone. No one mourns alone. No one hungers for righteousness alone. And no one suffers alone. When it comes to the insults, when it comes to the emotional pain that others put us through, let's make sure no one suffers alone. Let's make sure they know that we are with them. I really do love The Chosen. I've loved watching it. 
I love the way they portray the disciples just starting out, you know, in the first year or so of, of ministry. I love it, but at the same time, it makes me sad because I see them so young and so full of hope and so full of excitement. I, I love the way they portray Matthew. By the way, the, the actor who portrays Matthew is autistic, and that hits me in a very special way. And they portray Matthew, you know, a man who gave his life to numbers, to taxes. They portray Matthew with autism in the show. And as I see Matthew, I see the reflection of some people I love very, very much. But Matthew is so vulnerable and so uncertain about his place in life and so uncertain about how to understand others. And I love that picture of Matthew. And at the same time, I'm, I'm cursed with the knowledge of Matthew's death. I've read church history. And I know that according to church history, in his last days, Matthew went to preach in Ethiopia. That he offended the king because Matthew spoke out against the immorality of the king of Ethiopia. And according to church history, the king had him staked to the ground and run through with swords, with spears. And that's how Matthew died. And as I watch those scenes, I always have that hanging over my head. I see Peter excited and I think, one day he'll be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. I see James and John and I think about John and all that he suffered. The last living apostle. I think about his brother James. Big James, if you watch the chosen, the first one to die, executed by having his head cut off. I watch, and that history is always hanging over Matthew and, and the others for me. But then I realize, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Pain is inevitable. Rejection will happen. There are those who will hurt us. There are those who will go out of their way to hurt us. They will lie about us and they will think that they are doing God a favor as they do those things. But our reward is not here. And so let's hold on to that for ourselves. Let's hold on to that for each other. Let's trust Jesus to love us through every pain that we feel. I love that quote from Bonhoeffer earlier. As bearers of suffering, disciples stand in communion with the crucified. That's something we do every week. We stand in communion with the crucified. We take this not just to remind ourselves of Jesus' death, of what it cost Him going to the cross, the body broken, the blood shed. We take it not just to remind ourselves of the future that awaits us when we will gather in heaven for a wonderful meal, a banquet to celebrate together, and we'll remember the blood shed, the, the body broken. We take it to remind ourselves that today I identify with the One they crucified. Today I identify with the One who suffered for me. And as I take this into myself, I take His character, I take His being into myself 
and I willingly accept what was laid on Him can be laid on me. And somehow I rejoice. And somehow we are glad together. Because we come back and we do it again and again and again. And so today, we're going to pray, we're going to sing together, and we will take and remind ourselves that the gift that we received came with a price. And we continue to honor that in ourselves, not just here, but in the, in the suffering and the persecution and the hurts that we endure. Will you pray with me? Father, as I begin, I, I want to pray for those around the world. I, I think of Christians, the stories that I hear of Christians in Ukraine right now who are gathering and worshiping and caring for one another and caring for their neighbors and even caring for their enemies. I think of those in other countries who have known persecution, who have, who have borne marks on their body because they chose to stand with You. And Lord, while we would never claim to have that kind of suffering, we come to You today and offering You ourselves. And Father, we come to You today to pledge our hearts, to pledge our skin, to pledge our necks to You. To pledge our reputations to You. And Father, as we give ourselves to the possibility of being hurt, we also look forward to the very real opportunity to rejoice and be glad together. We thank You 